We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven, and I am your host, as always. And joining me are my guys, Tyler and Alex. Tyler, we'll start with you, man. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. You go on. Turn back. Uh, Alex, did he cut out for you, too, or is that just my end? Yeah. No, that was, he cut out. What a change of events. Tyler, you want to... Always, always one of us. In my life, I know. Strange, but I hope you're doing well. (laughs) Uh, Alex, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. Happy that Chef Curry cooked up a 40-piece for the Al Horford family uh, to be annoyed by, so I'm happy that the Warriors are going to win that series. Uh, But uh, sorry to all the Boston fans out there. Yeah, the the Celtics really uh, messed up, so looks like we'll... uh, Wait a second for Tyler to uh, get back in here. Maybe uh, this is this is weird because Tyler usually has the best internet of the three oh, of yeah. us. So um, this yeah, is, usually this you is guys are waiting like three to five business days for me to hop on. So I mean, this is <laughs> different. Here we go. What's up, Tyler? Hi. There we go. There we go. I'm great. I don't know what you heard. Uh, but I'm great. I don't know. I don't, I still don't know what I heard. <laughs> All I did was take the tab from this monitor to that one, and it's like, and just died. So, yeah. Oops. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Well, uh, you're all good now. Nice and clear. I can hear you uh, at a great level. So, uh, we are going to talk today about the top 10 most important chargers. We do this every single year. I uh, wanted to get this kind of taken care of early in the offseason uh, to, you know, kind of Uh, take us into the break if you will Uh, it's only gonna be two weeks and all that but uh you know we wanted to have this conversation so uh similar format to how we did our draft rankings videos we're gonna go 10 through 7 and then 6 through 4 and then 3 through number 1 of course so um you know obviously (laughs) we'll talk about Justin Herbert and Derwin James and all those guys of course but we tried to be a little different at least in some of the spots as opposed to uh, kind of just rolling with the chalk. So, um, Alex, why don't you start us off here? We're going to have a, a Google Sheet up here uh, that we are going to have on the screen and filling in throughout the uh, show today. But, Alex, why don't you kick us off with your 10 through 7, and then we'll just kind of uh, discuss each section as we go. Yeah, uh, number 10, I went with Mike Williams. At number 9, I went with uh, our wide receiver one, Keenan Allen. At number eight, I went with Khalil Mack. And seven, I went with Austin Eckler. 
Um, so I, for a couple reasons, I went with Eckler higher than the two wide receivers that were paying 20 million. Like in theory, those guys should be higher and they play the more important position, but the chargers just, and I hope Isaiah Spiller is the guy that figures it out, but they've never had RB two production behind Eckler, um, in this current, you know, uh, regime, you know, obviously whenever there's been another running back on the field, that just hasn't gone well. And Eckler, I think is the most other than Derrick Henry, arguably the most important running back to his team's production, both in the passing and the run game. Um, so I put him at number seven here, despite him being a running back. Uh, Khalil Mack, I think is pretty self-explanatory. I mean, he's one of the best edge rushers in the league and plays that important position. I would not put him as high as Bosa, who's going to be on this list later just because of age and things like that. Um, but obviously very important to what they do. And uh, I think Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are pretty self-explanatory. This offense just doesn't work without uh, either of their abilities that they bring to the game. Yeah, I'm curious to see where uh, Tyler has Mike Williams as well, because I think I have him in the same range. But, um, you know, I, I think we're I think Alex is off to a strong start. I, I don't have Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler in my list here. I, like I said, I tried to be a little different and, and there's like a certain message that I wanted to uh, convey here, if you will. And uh, so Eckler and Keenan and Joey Bosa did not make my top 10 here, uh, but I'll explain hmm. why in a minute here. Interesting. Would you like me to go next? Yeah, go ahead, Tyler. Okay, so just to be a little bit different for this list, I didn't repeat any position, like specific position. So there's only one edge rusher, there's only one wide receiver, okay. whatever, whatever. Um, so at number 10, I really wanted to, like honorable mentions, I wanted to put someone like Morgan Fox there because, oh my gosh, what if he starts over Jerry Tillery or JT Woods? What could he do to free out Derwin James? Sure. But I had a very hard time. Like, I almost would rather talk about the honorable mentions, but I, I couldn't justify putting JT Woods over Corey Lindsley, who I have at 10, sure. because one, he's obviously very good. And granted, for those listening, this isn't a who is the best list, just who's the most important. Uh, Corey Lindsley, I've seen this offensive line without a Corey Lindsley. I've seen it with him. I would much rather watch the line with a Corey Lindsley. Dan Feeney gave up 14 pressures by week eight of 2020. Corey Lindsley has given up 14 pressures the last two seasons. So he is at 10 because I do think if he were to go down, I think there's a world where you could slide in Zion Johnson. And I do believe they have enough guard replacements to make the interior work. But still hard to deny, uh, you know, one of the best centers in the league, a guy we put in the all pro tier when we did those categories. So he's 10 for me and number nine, I have Keenan Allen, which means I don't have Mike Williams. I do all still right. feel that Keenan Allen is the wide receiver one. And I do think that his skill set, even though he's not a you know um, physical phenom, I think it's harder to replace than it is with Mike Williams. I think you with Mike Williams, I feel like Josh Palmer could do a better impression of him than Keenan Allen, even though Palmer is kind of known um, yeah, as a bit more of a, a route runner, I suppose, but his frame and his size and what he can do. I mean, they literally subbed him out at the end of the Raiders game. They subbed Mike Williams out, pushed Josh Palmer in. Josh Palmer scores that touchdown or two-point conversion or whatever it was. So, like, I feel like there's enough sub there where I think Keenan Allen's harder to replace. So he's on the list over Mike Williams for me. Um, Allen isn't really higher, though, just because you do have Mike Williams and you do have um, you know, Palmer, Guyton, Everett, yeah. Filler, Eckler, Parham. Like, so is he as critical as, as some of these guys on the other uh, higher on the list? No, but he still is the wide receiver one. Um, eight for me, I'll go faster. Austin Eckler, um, six from yards from scrimmage, you know, 20 touchdowns in, in 2021. If this were last year, Eckler could arguably like top three in terms of, you know, guys you need to have on the yeah. most important players because he was everything for them and they were awful outside of a couple of Justin Jackson games without him. But this year, they have Isaiah Spiller. I'm hoping the running backs behind them as well take a step forward. And this is a past-first offense. So Eckler's incredible. Again, six from yards from scrimmage, first in touchdowns. But I think they can manage without him. Uh, we're going to seven. So seventh for me is Sebastian Joseph Day. Um, if, if Austin Johnson's your nose tackle, you're really not going to have another legit run stuffing defensive tackle on the roster. It's not Tillery. It's not Ogbonia at this point. It's not really Fox. You know, I think Fox is an improvement over Tillery. It's not really known for that. It's not Gaziano. It's not Covington. And Foco is probably not making the roster. I was doing this for a Monday mailbag. 
Jerry Tillery, Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, Kyle Van Noy, Morgan Fox, Christian Covington, Kenneth Murray, Drew Tranquil, and Troy Reader are all below the 30th percentile at their position for run stop rate. Sebastian Joseph Day is 99th percentile. Granted, that was only one year and things could change and who knows. But the drop off from, say, Sebastian Joseph Day at 99% to Christian Covington at 26% is huge. Yeah. And so that, or, or Jerry Tillier, or whoever it is. So, you know, he needs to work out. He needs to be on the field for what they want to do. And at the end of the day, Staley kind of needs to show that, like, he's an important player for free agency and Telesco and Staley. Because Staley kind of was the moves on the defensive line last year did not work. And they need one to hit. He needs to be able to show that bringing my guy in, spending money on these guys is worth it. And it does make sense. You know, I think last year we saw with the offensive line, all those additions made sense and they worked. This year, it's time to show that we can change an entire defensive line unit, hopefully for the better. So he's number seven for me. Yeah, so Sebastian Joseph Day was number seven for me. Uh, so I'll, I'll kind of add him in here a little bit. Um, and, and I think you bring up some great points about just like his performance, but also like he's going to be the best player in that room. He's going to be the leader in that room. And that's not a role that he has had before because I think you know, obviously mm -hmm. there's Aaron Donald, but you could even make an argument for, you know, um, Michael Brockers being better and more vocal and more important to that Rams team. Mm -hmm. um, you know, last year, Ashawn Robinson was with the Rams as well. And, and so Sebastian Joseph Day really is the, the leader of this interior defensive line room. And they're going to go as he goes. Like, it, it really is that simple for me. I think Austin Johnson is a fine player. I think, obviously, Brain Fajoko has his moments. I think Morgan Fox is a fine player. But if this defensive line is truly going to, you know, fix the run fronts and, you know, be more aggressive and be more disruptive, then it's going to have to start with Sebastian Joseph Day. So I, I have him at seven as well. Um, going in reverse order here. At number 10, I actually have Gerald Everett. Um, wow. and I think Gerald Everett for me is one of the more important players because, you know, Tom Telesco said that they were not going to sit in free agency and only improve the defense. And really, the only thing in free agency that he did on offense was sign Gerald Everett instead of Jared Cook. So uh, he needs mm -hmm. Gerald Everett to hit. And I think the Chargers also obviously need him to hit as well. And so um, Arjun pointed this out the other day, this this uh, graphic that he posted of quarterbacks versus perfectly covered plays and mm. uh, non-perfectly covered plays. And, you know, I, I think that is an, an area where Justin Herbert can improve. And that is, you know, his performance against man coverage and specifically tight man coverage. And mm. so I wanted to look at how Gerald Everett kind of fared against man coverage versus Jared Cook. And not really a surprise, but Jared Cook's passer rating when targeted last year was below 50, which is not <laughs> obviously not ideal of all qualified tight ends. He was like eighth to last or something like that. Cool. Um, and so Gerald Everett on the opposite side, his passer rating when targeted against man coverage was 90. So almost double nice. of what Jared Cook was uh, for the Chargers last year. And so I think that kind of points to Everett's ability to separate a little bit better, to be you know kind of more of a vertical athlete as well. So I think in terms of just like financial profile and what he could potentially do for the offense. I think Gerald Everett uh, at least deserves mention. Uh, you know, I wouldn't hate any of you guys. Obviously, you guys didn't put him in the top 10, but I, I wanted to mention him here. Um, at number nine, I have Mike Williams. And again, kind of just financially, like I think he's got to prove that he can mm -hmm. take that next step and prove that he is worth that kind of contract. And I do expect him to do that. Uh, and then number eight, my last one here, I have Asante Samuel Jr. Uh, on my nice. list. And so I, I do have another corner, obviously, um, but I wanted to make sure that I put Asante on here because I think that he's in store for a breakout season. And I think the Chargers need that to happen. You know, JC mm -hmm. Jackson is going to shadow number one receivers. He's going to ideally not get targeted as much as he was in New England. And so there are going to be a lot of balls thrown Asante Samuel Jr.'s way. And uh, he's got to prove that he can stay healthy as well. So Asante for me makes my list. I like it. Let's get to Gerald Everett. That's a good call because some of the theme of my list is, you know, if they if this person gets hurt, how big is the drop off? And I like sure. Parham a lot, but like statistically, we're not getting a lot from him yet. And I don't know if they view him as a whole lot just yet. Maybe they do this year. 
but the last two years haven't really shown you know 500 yards out of Donald Parham or anything. Um, so I like that for Everett. And, and going off the Herbert thing, Herbert's passer rating, you know, behind the line of scrimmage from zero to 10 yards and 20 yards and up is over 100. But in that intermediate spot, it's at like 80 something, which isn't bad. That like that's his worst yeah. passer rating is 80 something. But that's a part of the field where A, Cook was lacking and B, Herbert could be better at. And, you know, Herbert just needs to get better at the easier stuff. I, I don't remember this guy's name. He's the blobfish guy on Twitter in mid PJ. I, I oh, don't yeah. <laughs> remember his actual name, but he had an article saying that when he, when Herbert is less expected to pass his EPA per play is worse, but when he's more expected to pass, it's better. Why? Yeah. I have no idea. It's like a fun, it's a phenom, but Herbert just being better at attacking the middle of the field. Maybe it's against cover two, whatever it is. I don't know. That would so Everett would go a long way in that regard. So I, I like that call. I don't have him in my top ten, but I totally get it. Yeah, I don't have Gerald Everett in my top ten either, but he's probably a guy that would be in that eleven to fifteen range. I also feel the same way a little bit with Sebastian Joseph Day. If I did the list the way Tyler did it, where I just had one of each position, then he probably would have gotten in there. I probably would have had him in like twelve or thirteen in my normal list, and probably would have been at the back end of the top ten. Um, he's going to be super sure. important. Just need him to be good for that run defense to be better. Um, just thought there were too many edges, wide receivers, and too many offensive linemen for him to get in, yeah. just in terms of positional value. Um, but yeah, no, I don't think that's a bad choice at all. And I, I, I like the ASJ call uh, to just if he is going to have that breakout season, the you know the the necessity for him to play well, uh, especially with JC Jackson there with Michael Davis. Uh, I think that's going to be important. If, He's going to be a guy that does get kind of like picked on a lot by quarterbacks. So um, he'll need to, uh, you know, step up as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, Alex, let's do uh, your six through four here. Six through four. I have newly acquired quarterback JC Jackson at number six. Number five, I have Joey Bosa. And at number four, I have Corey Lindsley. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, Corey Lindsley is a pretty easy one. Uh, I mean, he's one, yeah. two offensive linemen on this team where I, you know, he's, they're the two that I have in the top 10. I think you could argue Filer being third spot in the top 10 for sure. Um, but it just doesn't work without Corey Lindsley. Uh, they got Will Clapp from Saints, like in the event that he's not going to be able to play, but you don't feel as great about that as maybe like Scott Quesenberry in previous years being able to step in. Uh, so we don't really like have super proven depth there. And just in general, I think you take Corey Lindsley off the line and, and you start to have a lot of problems uh, uh, from, you know, especially because they'll probably have to help out that right side a little bit um, mm-hmm. with whoever starts there between Storm Norton and Trey Pipkins. Uh, and uh, Corey Lindsley is a huge part of that is a huge stabilizer on that offensive line in general. So I had to put him in number four, uh, number five, I put Joey Bosa. Um, uh, he is a tough, one because i mean he plays the second most important position technically in terms of edge right if you put that behind quarterback mm-hmm. but to me uh, the guys who are two and three behind herbert were just too important in their roles uh, especially yeah. given the structure of the team for me to put joey bosa higher and then uh, i have jc jackson at number six obviously our quarterback one going to be a huge part to this Staley defense kind of getting right uh in year two and, you know, should kind of elevate the play of the other cornerbacks and other uh, safety pieces around him. And if you lose him, that makes the cornerback room look a lot less deep and makes it look a lot like last year, uh, which isn't like terrible by any means. But, but, you know, Michael Davis is much better as your CB2 or 3, like we've been talking about, than he is your CB1, right? So um, that's yeah. why I have Jake Jackson ultimately at number six. Yeah, I, I totally get the list. Corey Lindsley, honestly, probably deserves to be higher on my list, um, but he's not. But I completely get why you have him higher because, and like, uh, that's a good point. Like you said, like, there's, it obviously is just, it's beyond Corey Lindsley. Yes, his numbers look great, but it's beyond him. It's about the other guys around him, too. Yeah. So I, I also have Corey Lindsley at number four. So a little overlap there as well. Um, and I, I think just again, like from a leadership standpoint, like, I think if you, lose Corey Lindsay. I think that's where you feel it the most because I feel like you put Zion at center, but will mm-hmm. clap at center. I feel like you are not getting down to like Dan Feeney levels, but from just like a <laughs> leadership standpoint, you have an incredibly young offensive line group um, around him. And so, you know, obviously Rashawn Slater is a fantastic player. We think Zion Johnson is going to be a fantastic player. Matt Filer, very, very good. But 
if you're asking Matt Filer to be kind of like the top dog of an offensive line group, I don't know right. if that really is like, you know, I don't think that's an ideal perspective to have from him and for the team. So I think just from a leadership standpoint, um, Corey Lindsay, his value is, is, you know, tremendous for this team. Yeah, absolutely. Good call. Okay. Let's stir it up a little bit. Uh, do I, I, I know means <laughs> I, I thought about it, honestly, um, but I know I knew, well, not at six, but on the list for sure, but we have the coach that we do. Um, so field goals maybe aren't as important. Uh, number six, I have Kenneth Murray. I'll get to that in a bit. Not because okay. I, yeah, I, I saw not you because I believe, and I was like, ooh, yeah. this is gonna be controversial. <laughs> not because yeah. at all that I feel that he is a better player than even my honorable mentions at this point in his career. But in terms of importance, yeah, we'll get there. At number five, I have JC Jackson. That's kind of wow. no surprise there. I don't think he fits into the into the top three over the other three guys. I, I think he's very important, obviously. Um, but I just don't think he fits there. And then number four because there's more riding on him. I actually have Khalil Mack and I don't have Joey Bosa. Now, again, it's a, it's an important list. It's not a who's better. Right. I debated that Joey Bosa should be over it in the all pro tier over Khalil Mack. And I acknowledge that Joey Bosa at this point is a better player. So I'll go to Mack first. He's the most important player this year, or at least over Joey Bosa. And again, Bosa would be on this list if I included more than one a position group, but they traded for Khalil Mack. If it, bombs they may be reluctant to trade for anybody in the future like this is a huge <laughs> swing if he bombs yeah. this year they might not go for it and he has to be on top of that worth more than a chenna and wosu whatever extra money they might have had and a second round pick that they probably could use on a right tackle or a wide receiver or another corner or whatever it is he has to be worth a lot and he has to hold that worth the entire year if he fails they have a massive cap hit problem on their hands the next couple of years. But the reason he's on here over Joey Bosa, I think Joey Bosa is the better player. But he's on here because he frees up Joey Bosa. And I think his importance in doing that is huge for this team. Just going back to what I did in 2021, when I was charting Joey Bosa's pressure rate and double team slash triple team rate. His pressure rate versus Kansas City and the Raiders was 44 and 31% while being double teamed or triple teams only 30% of the time. But the next three games, he's double teamed 50, 45, and 63% of the time. And his pressure rate drops to 19, 10, and 13%, which I suppose most guys do that. But it sucks to watch Joey Bosa get double or triple teamed 63% of the time against someone like the Patriots. Then they play the Eagles. They kind of leave him more of an, on an island, only double, triple team 27% of the time. And his pressure rate jumps back to 33%. A Chenner most is a fine player. For sure. I think he'll do well in Seattle. And I think he did well with the Chargers. But Khalil Mack is something different when healthy. And if he can be someone who actually takes away pressure from Joey Bosa, that's going to be huge for Joey Bosa's numbers. Joey Bosa just has never really had an elite sack number kind of season. I think the pressure rate, win yeah. rate, all that is there. But the numbers haven't always been there. And I think with Khalil Mack, he can do that. So he's very important. Okay, Khalil Ma or Kenneth Murray. Uh, Kenneth <laughs> Murray, again, by no means believe that he is the best player uh, on this list. He really shouldn't make the list if it's based on that. But like some of these guys, they have a ton riding on him this year. If he doesn't pan out like Khalil Mack, it'll be a colossal failure on the part of Tom Telesco and Brandon Staley. Of course, you know he is responsible for some of that as well. But Tom Telesco for trading up to take him and, and Brandon Staley for failing to develop him. And oh, by the way, they let go Kaiser White because of him. So there's a lot riding on him this year. And, you know, I just had lunch with someone. I'll tell you guys off the air. They're the, the building. They're Ooh. all in with Murray because his, his talent is ridiculous. Like they like White and White is talented. But Murray is such a like they believe Murray is such a freak of nature that when he's healthy, and that's the big problem right now, as well as the mental processing, it's like he should be can't miss. You know, I, I didn't realize the love for Murray really permeated throughout the building like I, it did. I thought I would just kind of be, you know, front office head coach. But there's more to it than that. And everybody's behind him, obviously, because he's the guy on the team. If he plays well, it's an absolute nightmare scenario for offenses. If he doesn't, we might find the same awful run defense. We might see a repeat of the Raiders game every week. Uh, but not only that, if the Chargers just can commit to Murray 
being the only linebacker, not the entire game, obviously, but in, in many situations, the number of four linebacker sets the Chargers ran in 2021 was 30% more than what the Rams ran in 2020. So if they can keep Murray on the field as your yeah. whatever linebacker and whatever personnel group situation and not have to put two inside linebackers on the field, that's huge for them. So do I believe that Murray is the best player? No. But if he pans out, he could be one of the most important players. And I, and I do think he is. Yeah. So, you know, I've been working on um, a positional ranking for the linebackers in the AFC West for LAFB. And um, I I think you kind of have to have the Chargers in last in the division at this point. And I think you feel fine about them. Like I think in another division, they're probably, you know, up higher. But, you know, for me, the reasoning that I would put them last is because they don't really have a true top guy. And, you know, I think the Raiders depth is probably worse, but Denzel Perryman just had a Pro Bowl season and he had a fantastic season that we all knew he was finally capable of. And it, and it sucks to watch that happen in the place that it's happening. Um, but the Chargers don't have that kind of player. And so if Kenneth Murray could become that player, then obviously that really helps the Chargers defense. And I think you know, I mentioned, you know, just from a health standpoint, I think that's one of the bigger question marks of training camp is what's up with Kenneth Murray. Is he going to be healthy? Is he going to participate? All that good stuff. So if Kenneth Murray hits, right, then you have a playmaker theoretically at every level of the defense. And you have a guy in each room that you feel comfortable being a a long-term building block. And if he doesn't hit, then the Chargers just have like a bunch of like – solid scrappy linebackers and you know it's just a really big drop off from the position if you're and, and again you don't necessarily need like true elite linebackers in today's nfl but having one just brings you so much value that i think uh, i would understand having kenneth murray on this list even though i don't have him uh, on mine we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, I, I would understand putting Kenneth Murray in the top 10 um, just in the case that he hits. I guess the reason I probably wouldn't have him in the top 10 is in the event that he misses, right? While it is an indictment on yep. the organization and trading up a first-round pick for him, it's actually not that bad for the Chargers at the end of the day. Like, on some level, yeah, you could have a repeat of the Raiders game where, you know, he's getting blown up, but they have upgraded the defensive line a lot, right? You have Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson and Khalil Mack, obviously there um, to boost some of that run defense. Uh, uh, so for me, while I do think the ceiling of Kenneth Murray is something you want, I guess if he doesn't hit, it's not quite as bad as it was last year. Um, and mm-hmm. like Stephen said, you just kind of have a bunch of scrap piece linebackers and you figure out what to do with them. Plus there's obviously the natural inclination of the Staley defense, which is what are linebackers. Um, so, you know, I could understand putting him in there and I do hope for a breakout and it's great to hear that, you know, the people in the building are positive on him. Um, I'm just sort of slightly out on him at this point and need to see it first to, to to truly uh, believe it. Uh, But yeah, I I could see putting him in the top 10 just based on his ceiling and and what we thought he was going to be when he was originally drafted. Um, But at this point I leave him outside the top 10, mostly because 
I think the floor for how bad he is actually doesn't affect the team that much in the short term. Um, but but we'll see. Yep, absolutely. And just real quick while I'm at it, as always, dad, mom, thank you very much for your support. <laughs> as always, uh, can't wait for, for dinner in a bit. There we go. Uh, so, yeah, I, um, I am going to go with my next list here. At number six, I have whoever starts at right tackle. Um, <laughs> I thought about doing this. Whether it's Trey Pipkins or Storm Norton, I literally have in here on my notes whoever starts at right tackle. So, um, obviously, whoever starts at right tackle is is probably the worst starter on the team in terms of talent, in terms of ability. But we all have talked about this position like a dark cloud that is hanging over this team, and really, it's not a super uncommon problem to have. You know, a lot of Frankly, a lot of teams within the division also have another problem at right tackle. And I think, you know, the Broncos have Billy Turner and um, I forget his name from the 49ers who they signed. I think his last name is um, Thompson or Compton or something like that. Um, The Raiders are starting Brandon Parker again, who was right next to Storm Norton last year in a lot of categories. And then, uh, you know, the Chiefs have Lucas Niang or whoever else there. So. Right tackle is a problem spot for pretty much every team in the division, but specifically for the Chargers, it's just hard for us to feel confident in whoever is starting. And so I want to go back a little bit to the Sam Tevy situation here and maybe paint a more positive picture because obviously Sam Tevy, uh, you know, former sixth round pick for the Chargers, not necessarily a great player, um, albeit went to a great school in college. Um, so in 2018, he had 61 total pressures allowed, which was just abysmal. Uh, his pass blocking efficiency was 92.9. Both numbers obviously far worse than what Storm Norton was doing. And like heading into that season, heading into the uh, 2019 season, you're like, okay, in terms of Sam Tevy expectations, like what, like what's a good season for him? And then like what I said at the time was that we just eliminate the games where he's allowing eight or seven or nine pressures mm-hmm. and just give me like average games across the board. And Sam Tevy did that. He was he was fine in 2019. Uh, 40 total pressures, pass blocking efficiency of 95.1. And we were like, okay, like that's a that's a decent step forward for Sam Tevy. Mm-hmm. And so that really is the situation for whoever starts at right tackle for me. Because I think they can live with like average right tackle play they can as much as i would love for it to be a better situation than that as long as we are not getting the micah parsons game the max crosby game frankly the matt judon game where the right tackle is just like getting destroyed Mm -hmm. then the Chargers should be fine at right tackle so obviously like i said whoever plays right tackle is definitely not like a top five player top six player for them but they need that situation to be average or else we're going to see a lot of the same problems in other games. You can also talk about the Baltimore Ravens where the Ravens just threw every single blitz package possible at the right side of the offensive line. Mm -hmm. And it was just a shit show from the start. So I don't need the right tackle to be elite. I would love that to be the case, obviously, Mm -hmm. but just be average. And I think that kind of importance is worth talking about in this kind of instance. Yeah, 100%. And that's part of the reason Gerald Everett could like should be on your list as well, because I don't know how much he's going to stay in and block. But if they wanted someone who wasn't much of a blocker, they could have just gone back to Jared Cook. But they did bring in Everett. There's just a little bit of help there. Um, I, I almost put whoever starts at right tackle on my list as well. I, I almost did it. And then I realized, <laughs> well, they don't care who starts at right tackle. Yeah. <laughs> Why should I? Fair. Fair. Very fair. Um, and then number five, I know this is going to be very surprising to a lot of people. I actually have Derwin James at number five. And then, like I said, Corey Lindsay at number four. So um, I think Derwin James is one of the top two or three players on the team. I think he is arguably the face of the franchise. Um, but in terms of, Winning in 2022, I just think there are a few more players, including Corey Lindsay, who are just a little more important. And I'm excited to get to those in a second here. Okay. So I want to, I'm trying to like guess who your three, two, and one are. Do you have more than one edge rusher? 
No, I don't. I just have the one. I already said okay. I didn't have Joey Bosa on here. Oh, that's right. Okay. Interesting. Um, well, I can't say I'd agree with Derwin James not being in the top three, but totally get it. Um, you know, it's something. <laughs> <laughs> it's a take man it's a take but i'll explain you know I, at I least two at least two of the players that i have ahead of him yes. i think will be very understandable yes yeah I um yeah it, the right the right tackle thing is is interesting just because if you actually someone asked the question of like uh, with the q a i did last week why didn't they pull you know storm norton in the raiders game when it got really bad and it's like i actually look back at the numbers and it's like going into that game the last four games prior to the raiders game he allowed like eight pressures in four weeks and like two sacks or something like that and it's like oh okay if you could just do something like that every week that'd yeah. be great <laughs> but then you have these albatross obviously uh, michael parsons and max crosby games uh like you mentioned so i mean if you can just get passable play out of there uh, it would be a lot better than what we have now when the chargers obviously need that given the right tackle situation um all right i guess i'll get to my three two and one number three i have rashawn slater number two i have derwin james and then number one i have justin herbert um so like i can get the argument for not having derwin james in the top three and i assume steven's going to have rashawn slater and justin herbert obviously in there as well, uh, as well as the edge rusher of choice. Uh, but for me, what what he does on defense, like no other player can replicate on this team. There's no like, okay, well, we can survive a couple plays if we, you know, just have Nizzy Ratterly in there. And, you know, like the Texans game is, you know, indicative of that. Obviously the Chargers are missing a lot of players in the Texans game, but they really felt the absence of Derwin James on the field when he wasn't there. Uh, setting the tone for the defense and so um you know just not having him like i i functionally don't think the defense can work like it, to sure. me the two uh, you I, really my whole top three but there's the if justin herbert gets hurt which obviously the season's over um if derwin james gets hurt i wouldn't say season's over quite in the same sense but like the chargers would just be behind the eight ball on defense every week and I feel like that would be a lot to ask Justin Herbert in the offense to climb out of. Um, and I, I think you can make the case for Rashawn Slater as well. Uh, being on that level of importance, I put him at number three. But I get why Steven's probably going to have him at number two, I'll guess. Um, just because of the situation at right tackle. Uh, if Rashawn Slater gets hurt or something happens to him, you now have the left tackle and the right tackle positions unsituated. Uh, I will paint a picture of Storm Norton on one side and Trey Pipkins on the other just to give Steven a heart attack. But <laughs> that is something that you do not want to have. And so that could put Rashawn Slater at number You were Rashawn Slater at number one when you tell someone that picture. I mean, really, it gets that pretty very fair. So, that is very fair. Um, yeah, so I, I have Rashawn Slater at number three, Derwin James number two, and Justin Herbert, obviously number one. We'll talk a lot about Justin Herbert, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, that that's just how it trick out for me. The defense does not work without Derwin James in any capacity and the offensive line already kind of struggling a little bit, obviously a good offensive line, but considering they already have to make up for the right tackle situation, having to make up for the left tackle situation in the event Sean Slater got hurt would be pretty impossible as well. Yeah. So in terms of the Derwin decision, I definitely, you know, went back and forth with where to slot him. And last year, absolutely, he was number two for me. I think this year, though, the Chargers are in a much better place if they do have to potentially lose him for a few games. Um, you know, just from a leadership standpoint, you're talking about J.C. Jackson, you're talking about Khalil Mack, you're talking about Sebastian Joseph Day. So there's more there. There's more players to kind of fill that void. Obviously, from a safety perspective, you know, you're losing that chess piece, and you're probably pivoting towards more linebacker friendly looks and things like that so I, I totally understand that um i just think the defense is better all around him and so i think not that it kind of lessens his importance but i just if you look at my list you know for the most part a lot of the players that i have on here are like kind of things that the chargers need to have happen as opposed to right. like who are the important players and you know tyler's take tyler and alex seem to have taken a lot of the like well if this player is hurt what happens kind of angle. And I totally get that. Mm -hmm. um, I just wanted to make sure we were all not doing the same yeah. thing. Yeah. Good call. I actually, 
I'll just do my list real quick. And number three, I actually do have Derwin James for the same reasoning as you do, just not as far back. Like if the team, if something happens, in theory, you could make some things work. You have Samuel Jr., you have Davis, you have Jackson, you have Adderley, you just drafted Woods, you have Callahan, you have Webb. Derwin James, maybe JC Jackson is, but like you can kind of make it work. And like you said, there is talent on defense to make this work enough he's still top three because i do think he is that important but i think he's not as important as someone like rashawn slater who i do have it too because that's an awful dumpster fire of a situation if he goes down i think it was yeah. joe thomas who talked about you have like what made me so good at outside zone or, or partially is because i'm quick out of my stance i can get out of my stance all that sort of stuff rashawn slater can do that but after him you know maybe i guess you trade bibkins but it's <laughs> Jamari Jamari Salyer potentially if they try him at left tackle like they just don't have anything to, that can replicate what Rashawn Slater can do um, and there's no working around it like I think you can work around a Derwin James injuries a bit it sucks but you can kind of work around it Rashawn's like if it's if it's Trey Pipkins and Storm Norton like there's not a whole lot you can do there someone's got to be by themselves someone's got to be a big boy and these divisions are are tough so Rashawn Slater for me then no surprise um Justin Herbert here at number one. That's unanimous, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It's not unanimous. How? <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> all right. So we'll get into it. I have Cleo Mack number three, first of all. Okay. Uh, we'll start with that right. one. Right. Um, I think had I not heard the way that Brandon Staley uh, talk about him, I would probably have him much lower. But if you listen to Brandon Staley talk about him, Brandon Staley thinks that he is 2017, 2018 Khalil Max still to this day. And mm -hmm. I think the Chargers need that to happen. I think the Chargers need Brandon Staley to be right on this front. And, you know, not just from a pass rushing standpoint, from a run defense standpoint. So Khalil Mack, number three, I have Justin Herbert, number two. And then number one for me is Mr. JC Jackson. So, um, if you're talking about kind of what went wrong for the Chargers throughout the season, they had the worst third down defense in the league. And a very large portion of that, of course, was the run defense not being able to set them up for third and longs. But their secondary was one of the worst in the leagues, and a lot of that was due to injury. So J.C. Jackson, for me, is the most important player because he is essentially the player that is coming in to transform the Chargers third down defense. And they need him. They don't necessarily need him to get eight, nine interceptions. I kind of think that will probably come down a little bit. But they did not have a player capable of going up against number one receivers and kind of shutting down that part of the field. And, you know, Ted Wynn did a, a great job on the athletic kind of pointing out the advantages that having J.C. Jackson will free up for this Chargers defense. And again, like there were some question marks about signing him. There were some question marks about his ability outside of New England. That, of course, is the case everywhere. So there is some risk in signing a guy like J.C. Jackson. And so I think for those reasons, I would have him ahead of Justin Herbert just because of the uncertainty and because I know what I'm getting out of Justin Herbert. But I'm not, like, putting Justin Herbert at 10. Like, I put him at 2. Like, it's not like I'm that crazy. But I, I, I get the reactions here. Again, if you just kind of go through my list, I'm talking about more of, like, question marks and things that the Chargers need to have happen and risk and kind of – you know, putting those things into the conversation. I'm I'm just a little bit surprised you don't have Slater in your. <laughs> I all. thought Slater no. would be here. Yeah, I don't. But yeah. uh, um, if you're talking, because like the way that I took this right is things that the charges need to have happen, right? And so like, yeah. I know what I'm getting in Slater. I know what I'm getting in Eckler. Mm -hmm. I know what I'm getting in Keenan Allen, and I know what I'm getting in Joey Bosa. So I don't I don't feel like there's a ton of risks there obviously the risk is mm -hmm. if they are injured but i know what i'm getting in them i know what kind of value they're going to bring i know what kind of leadership they will be able to bring so of course you can kind of point some inconsistencies on my list but but yeah um, that's what i was gonna say like you also have derwin james and Corey lindsley on your list and you know what yeah. you're getting out of there out of them like yeah they're kind of the same thing i don't know I think we made this list with three different sets of criteria and just all came to the show and we're like, here we go. <laughs> I don't know. But, <laughs> uh, Tyler, okay. I can see you're itching at uh, this conversation, man. <laughs> no, it's more like 
brain fried. Just like, like something's yeah. just, like, just kind of like. <laughs> um, okay, let's have this discussion. Why Corey Lindsay over Rashawn Slater then? Yeah. Um, like I said, I think that's more of a leadership thing for me as opposed to just like sheer talent. Because like mm-hmm. talent-wise, I think you're talking about a very similar player. But, you know, Rashawn Slater is like, you know what you're getting from him, but he's not a leader of the room. Whereas Corey Lindsay is the voice of the offensive line room. He is the guy who sets the protections. He is the one who, you know, handles all that business. And he's like the number one on the pecking order. So um, I think Rashawn Slater can certainly become that guy, but it is Corey Lindsay right now. So for me, that's more of like a leadership thing as opposed Mm. to what happens if he gets injured kind of thing. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> and to I, answer the question, no, I, I Mormons cannot smoke weed. That's the thing in the chat. But well, they can't drink coffee either. I think, right? It's all subjective, right? You can do whatever <laughs> you want. It's just, it's just a matter of how much you really want to live things or not. I get you. I get you. All right. Well, that's a list. <laughs> I mean, look, like you said, he's not. Tyler smart, hates so, it. It's not yeah. like Herbert. It, well, come on, man! Like <laughs> he's the most important player. <laughs> I just like I said. I just think there's a little bit more like risk and unknown with JC and like the Chargers' third down defense was the worst in the league last year. Mm-hmm. And sure, right. Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, all those guys will help there. But like JC Jackson is the guy that they are tasking to transform the third down defense, the turnovers, all that stuff. I just think there's a ton of weight on his shoulders. And again, the combination of unknown and risk mm-hmm. and everything like that. So, obviously, I know Justin Herbert is like the guy, right? Like they're going to go as far as Justin Herbert takes them. But I just think there's more questions around JC, and he plays an equally as important position. It is huge for them that JC Jackson does have a big, or at least a good year. You know, all the detractors. You know, is it a contract thing? Can he succeed out of the Patriot system? Can Brighton Staley even field a good defense? All that sort of stuff. You know, kind of like Mac, the Chargers took a chance on JC Jackson. They paid him a ton of money. And it's, you know, they kind of went out of their comfort zone with his, you know, off the field character issues. Um, so it, it is big for this franchise as well. I, I totally understand why he'd be anywhere between two and ten. Um <laughs> JC Jackson's a very important player. Like he's very, very, very important player. Nah, I got you yeah. guys. I got you. Yeah. Like I said, I part of this it. was me wanting to be different here, and we did. So, I appreciate that. I'm actually surprised we didn't see, like, Isaiah Spiller or JT Woods or Morgan Fox or somebody randomly in here. Um, well, Jared Evett is kind of random, I guess. That's true. Yeah, that's a good one, and that and that's a really good one. That that, yep, that's a good one. No, I feel like if we had said, like, you know, you decided that you didn't want to have repeat players, like, obviously, that would take yeah. Asante out for me. That would take uh-huh. Mike Williams out for, for Alex and Khalil for Alex. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think we each kind of interpreted this differently. So, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> nice. Uh, awesome. Uh, we will definitely not be tweeting this list out. Um... <laughs> <laughs> for for Stephen's sake. Uh, dude i'll take all i'll take all the shade man i i do not care like like i said i mean i have herbert at two and i think jc jackson really is that important to the defense so he is uh honorable mention i did have matt filer at my 11 spot um just because i think the potential of putting him at right tackle potential moving him at other spots of the line how important he is, uh, you know, just next to Rashawn Slater and Corey Lindsley or wherever they have him on the line, uh, I think is going to be really important. So if you were to put a third offensive lineman in the top 10, it would have been him, uh, but he just missed the cut for me. Yeah, I like that one. Uh, he he could be one of the most important players, especially if they use him, yeah. you know, some other way. Especially if he is whoever starts at right tackle at Stevens number six. Yeah, that is, there you go. That's that very was, true. Yeah, you'd be the only one with Matt Filer on your list. So you'd actually have a better list than us. Higher up? Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, any other honorable mentions you guys could think of? Um, I mean, I didn't really think of Gerald Everett that much until I saw him on your on Steven's list. Um, that would be one where he's probably like my 12th or 13th most important player. Sure. Um, 
and Sebastian Joseph Day, just because of how much they're banking on him to improve the run defense from what it was last year. That would have been on an honorable mention for me as well. Yeah, I think Austin Johnson is in that same conversation because, you know, if you lose one of Sebastian Joseph Day or Austin Johnson, then it's like, okay, well, did we even upgrade the defensive line (laughs) at all? Like, what are we dealing with here? Um, So, like, they're legitimate question marks in terms of the depth, but I do feel better about it than I did last year. But they need Joseph Day and Austin Johnson to hit and play well and play most of the season. Absolutely. And here I thought me including Kenneth Murray would be the talk of the show. <laughs> that's that, that's me, dude. This you know, I'm just a team player taking the heat off of you for uh, putting. You're, you're a good host, Stephen. I really appreciate. it. And how about Stephen completing thought... a year of working with kids in school, man? Yes. Good stuff. I blame the children. If you don't like his take, it's the kids' fault. <laughs> I thought I was a little risque. I was like, "Ooh, a running back at seven. I'm gonna poke the bear." I wide receivers Ooh, i'm being i'm being creative and then steven's like here's jc jackson right over justin herbert and i'm like okay <laughs> alex how close were you to putting larry roundtree on your list uh, see i just he was at number two originally and then i just kept having he would he would have been the number 14 15 he, he would have been somewhere there yeah for sure really for sure yeah yeah and if you hate my list that much it is 170 degrees today so blame the heat i guess <laughs> All right, guys. Any uh, any other final thoughts before we head out for the day? Uh, nope. It, the good news is this is a very talented list. Even whether you see it's most important or best, like there's a lot of good players on this list. What a heck of a top ten! Yeah, I mean, at least we don't have to be like the most important Chargers, Sam Tevy or Dan Feedy this year. We're we're not in that quite that ter- territory uh, with some of our players. So uh, the fact that we have all this elite talent, regardless of how you ordered them. Uh, is a very good thing for the Chargers. I mean, obviously, if we're doing just top 10 rankings, then J.C. Jackson would not be in the top three. So, um, you know, it is what it is. But I'm excited to see him play and uh, what he'll bring to the third down defense. So, um, like we've said before, this is going to be our last episode for the past, for the next few weeks. Um, We're going on a little bit of a summer break. So, I know Tyler has some videos plans planned to release over the next couple of weeks. I know Alex does as well. And so do Arjun and Kyle and Maddie. So we'll have plenty of content. We just won't have like an actual episode and live stream like this. So um, we'll see you guys in a few weeks. Thanks so much for tuning in. And as always, bolt up. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.